Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Studio, I'm out in the boonies. And John is out harvesting dilithium crystals for his attempt at Le Mans later uh, in June. So John's not with us tonight, and I hope he does pick up some crystals. Uh, Les, what do you know? How are you? Hey, uh, I guess you've been watching motorsport like the rest of us. What, what have you found today? Oh, yeah. I had a good time uh, watching. I caught part of the IndyCar race. That was a, a great end. Some uh, very familiar names uh, jockeying up there. MotoGP today, uh, we got something to talk about. There's a rivalry that uh, I think is just about to be fisticuffs. Yeah, tonight we want to talk about IndyCar, obviously, because it happened today at Belle Isle, and also it's the last one. Uh, I want to talk Indy Lights. Uh, I want to talk a little bit of MotoGP. Uh, and, I also, whoop, and I also want to talk uh, about Formula One and FIA. We're only a week away from the next race in Baku in Azerbaijan. So looking forward to that. Um, and there's some good stories out there. But let's start with Indy. Um, probably the cleanest race ever uh, I think I've ever seen at Belle Isle, which, of course, is a, a, a sort of semi-street circuit around uh, the island in between Canada and Detroit, uh, right there on the border. They even do both national anthems because of where it is. Uh, it's something that has been a, well, it's a passion project, if you will, for Roger Penske, who spent a lot of time trying to help Detroit get back on its feet. So, um, you know, um, I think I think it's something that uh, will remain a huge part of his history. And also Detroit is certainly not over, um, but a straight win for Will Power and a needed one, Les. Um, he hasn't had a lot of success and Penske had a terrible Indy 500 last week. So good to see them winning again. Absolutely. It's a, it's really a good uh, setup. I am enjoying seeing that towards the end of the race well what i thought was best is you know strike up the jaws music with valentina with uh alexander rossi the other rossi uh <laughs> closing in on him and it was really great because they were all they were just totally managing tires it got to one point of uh them basically telling rossi from the wall of uh just just do what you need and uh turned him loose and going with that i really thought it was going to work out well and uh rossi got up there which is which i find was uh was amazing but you know jonathan we've talked about this before when you have a rider or a driver leaving a team and suddenly their performance for the team they're leaving picks up what do you think about that with uh, mr rossi heading over to mclaren indy next yeah it's funny because the order in which this story came out which is michael andretti jumped uh onto twitter earlier this week and announced that kyle kirkwood who of course won the indy lights championship for michael um will be going from aj Foyt to um andretti autosport next year a great move in my opinion we'll talk more about that but um pretty much on the heels of that the announcement that rossi would be leaving the team now that was then quickly followed up by him joining mclaren so a kind of a a step sideways, if you will. McLaren aren't as big a team as as Ross as uh, Andretti, but um, obviously, given the circumstances that Zach Brown is in with mm -hmm. both a Formula One team and an IndyCar team, uh, I don't suppose Rossi's not really lost anything um, or gained anything. I think they're a good team. Pato Award has shown that. I think it's going to be interesting to see those two. 
We presume, therefore, that Rosenquist won't be uh, longer needed. Um, but uh, but an interesting shakeup. But I'm most pleased for Carl Kirkwood because he, like I said, he he's had a long association with Andretti. And I do think that Michael has chosen this time, mid-season, to get him back on board so that nobody tries to poach him or holds him to ransom if he chooses to use him for his potential Formula Wanted. Exactly. Hey, you know, going back to McLaren, and that's Indy McLaren, I was curious if you think that Rossi's experience from Formula One and Zach Brown, if that combination is going to be uh, – complimentary are they going to be good for each other having that f1 background yeah i don't see why not i mean rossi's 30 he only did five races in formula one i think that monkey's off his back so to speak i don't think therefore he'd be considered for a potential replacement to ricardo or or, or anything like that pato ward on the other hand i do see as a potential f1 driver if zach chooses to go that way um it's fairly obvious that ricardo's on borrowed time it's just not happening for him it didn't happen at monaco a place he's won and he looked pretty lackluster and he has looked pretty lackluster compared to lando um but with rossi are you are you thinking that there, there could be not a good relationship there well i think it's bringing a different dynamic because rossi has been in the uh high level of scrutiny that f1 has been i mean we we first met him back in his cayman days in or uh, caterham days and hearing about their training and how critical they looked at everything about, you know, your own health, your, your personal performance, the vehicle performance, and then they break down the vehicle into a million different facets. And I'm wondering if that criticality that Rossi is ready to support or has supported before, if it's going to be a huge compliment to get with Zach, who obviously is still looking at things in that detail in Formula One, but him to bring that level of criticality to IndyCar. I think there's potential to really have a lot of uh, synergy around those combination, those two together. Well, there's no question in my mind after making, and we were there uh, on the 100th running when he won the Indy 500, he really splashed onto the scene. And that win came so early in his IndyCar career that everybody thought, what have we got here? Then followed it up the next season uh, and was just amazing. Uh, and especially at the Indy 500. So Rossi's had the Midas touch for a few years, but in the last couple of years, I think it was 2019, his last win, um, he has had a bit of a doldrum situation where he's not really recovered very well or, or performed very well for Andretti, both at the 500 and, and in the championship. He's always there or thereabout. I mean, you can't say he's not a great driver. Uh, he certainly is. Um, but he's had a couple of fallow years, and I do think that probably some sort of mumblings uh, and maybe not getting eye to eye with Michael has caused this sort of breakup. I mean, seven years is still a long time for any team. Um, and I think, I think with a new fresh, you know, a fresh approach with McLaren, um, we'll get back to seeing Rossi doing what he did so well in his first couple of seasons in Indy. Well, you know, based on the sound effects behind you, I think the bell is tolled. There you go. Nice segue. <laughs> um, what about Kirkwood? Uh, what do you think about that? Is there a chance that Kirkwood coming in in 23 for Indy could be in the sweet spot for um, the Formula One driver? We said it all along when he left. Um, Without a doubt. Go to AJ Foy. Without a doubt. I think he's got prime opportunity to get into that. I want to see him there. I mean, he's always fun with us and you know, great interview and great personality. But I would love to see him. Uh, get an F1 seat, uh, at least even as a, uh, he's got to get better than a reserve driver, but it wouldn't surprise me if he comes in as a reserve for a year and then potentially actually gets the seat. He's got to get used to a car with that type of form of uh, performance. Still won't, United. yeah, still won't count out Colton Herta in getting there. Herta's going to be just, just awesome. He's got to get his time in the seat and then, uh, but I kind of feel like Colton, could go directly to the seat and uh, skip the reserve seat. Yeah, I agree with you. And when you think about being able to call on someone like Roman Grosjean, as, as he's either an advisor or a driver coach, uh, with his experience in Formula One, um, Kirkwood and Herter are set fair for a really interesting start to their F1 careers if it, if it happens. Um, I, I still don't know, and I'm not convinced, after going to Man Miami with you and, and having watched what happened at Monaco, 
that everybody is as welcome as we think in Formula One about another franchise. No, I don't think they are. Uh, far from it. And the thing that I find interesting is it's not the uh, it's not the backmarker teams that are fretting over another team getting on the grid. It's you know the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari that are making the noise of questioning having another team join the grid. But you know what? They signed the Concord Agreement a couple of years ago now, what, two years ago, saying this could happen. But uh, honestly, I think they're kind of shaking in their boots because the name Andretti is potentially on that team. Uh, so yeah, I, so I, I think there's some shell games and some uh, wordplay there. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, you know, let's face it. Uh, the Miami Grand Prix was sponsored by Gamebridge. The Indy 500 was sponsored by Gamebridge. Herta's sponsor is Gamebridge. I mean, come on. Um, they're, they're, they're heavily now involved in motorsport and they have the money uh, to help Michael go all the way. Well, let's get your opinion as well. 512-643-5483. We're going to talk about some MotoGP later. We'll talk a bit more Formula One. Uh, I want to catch up on some other stories that are bubbling under, under, the, under the seat, as it were. Uh, anything catch your eye this weekend that you want to talk about, Les? Uh, hey, when we get back from our next break, I, I've got something that I find really interesting. And you know, I don't talk NASCAR very much, but we weren't, we're going to talk about the next generation of car, uh, the car of tomorrow, and uh, how they're testing it. Really interesting. And, uh, you know, that, that's just one of those things. The other, you want a job in racing? Hold on. Okay. Well, with that tease and without further ado, we'll take a short break here on Speed City. Stay tuned. More stuff coming up uh, as we look towards our Sunday night full of speed. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters, VRD. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 U.S. Championship, VRD also has programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the Road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. If you want to join the team, go drop them a DM on Instagram at Velocity underscore RD. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. 
visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Talk 1370. This is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Ah, the mighty Mario. Great to hear his voice. And we wish his son, uh, Bon Voyage, in making that Indy car, sorry, making that Formula One team come together. He has everything in place. I think he's got the sponsors. Uh, he just needs a bit of goodwill from the other teams. But I really do think there's just... Typical F1, really. I think there's just a lot of bumbling underneath the the, the surface. Yeah. That really, I'll they, argue they're going to do it. I argue that point. He doesn't need goodwill from them. He's got a, the only Andretti reputation. He's got the money. He's got teams posted all over the world already in all these other racing series. He's got the chutzpah. He's got everything that you want in the in the uh, F1 paddock. So come on. Yeah, and I, I even. Uh... Gunter Steiner at Miami was saying, oh, what do we need? You know, what do we need another franchise for? Well, I think his fear is that <laughs> he just started to get into the market of trying to get American sponsors, having gone four or five years without any. Yeah. Um, and I think Andretti will just make sure that uh, he, he doesn't have any more. So there's no question that, that, that Andretti has the ability to bring in blue chip sponsors that may or may not already have an association with Formula One. But Gamebridge is a good example. Um, and I think, you know, given Michael's sort of fingers in different pies all over the world, I think he's in a really good position. And uh, yes, he signed up with Renault, but that may not be forever with Audi coming in, Porsche's name being mentioned. You know, uh, it's an exciting time. So I, I think that um, Michael's doing everything right. He's a good businessman. Uh, I think you can judge that on how he did the announcement this week with Kirkwood. And a shout out to Carl Kirkwood. He's just a kid, really. He won the IMSA race yesterday, and he retired, sadly, from the race today. But uh, what a week he's having. Um, and if you don't know Carl Kirkwood, look him up. Um, he really is. He's the real deal. Uh, no question about it. Uh, he's won everything he's been part of. I worked with him in F4 and F3, uh, which he won both of. He then went to the road to Indy, won all the championships, including Indy Lights for, for Michael Andretti. Uh, and now, of course, is racing for AJ Foyt. But next year, he'll join Andretti Autosport. So uh, his career path is on a on a high, high, steep curve. You know, one of the things that I was asked, and I've been thinking about it because I didn't have an answer, is uh, who would you imagine being on an Andretti F1 car? One is like, who wouldn't want on there, for one. But uh, generally speaking, thinking about the uh, the history of F1, uh, certainly they want an American-based company. Uh, the history of Andretti, that is, uh, certainly they'd want an American-based company, you know, prominently displayed. Yet it's got to be of international scope. Well, Oracle's already tied up. But one of the ones that, you know, is not quite as popular as Starbucks is 7-Eleven, the Southland Corporation, based here in Texas, has a strong relationship with the Andrettis over decades, basically. And it's actually a brand and a convenience store that you see around the world. I know they yeah. were in UK as well, which uh, was yeah. surprising to me. But, you know, there's a a, a global brand that is uh, everywhere. Yeah, I think the only argument is that 7-Eleven is probably the only store in the world that doesn't need to advertise. But you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I lived in Asia for a long time and 7-Eleven is all over Asia. And as you say, it's in Europe, uh, massive here. Uh, but you're right. Those are the sorts of names. Walmart, uh, Target, you know, these are all companies that I think who've either had a previous association with motor racing and would like to, you know, like you say, it's that Andretti, it's that Andretti sort of, you know, bees, bees to mm -hmm. a honeypot. They, they really, really like to be associated with a successful name, if not the greatest name in motor racing, uh, Mario Andretti. So putting on a marketing hat, imagine this, it's your first year as an advertiser, the team that you're helping sponsor and, and cover with is new to the grid. It's got the name Andretti. Everybody's kind of watching it. Even if they crash on the first turn of every race, 
you're going to have spectacular exposure to an audience uh, just with that combination of names. Of course, we don't want to see them crashing, but but nonetheless, the exposure of the marketing power for that is uh, has got to be through the roof. Yeah, and no question. I mean, both Michael and Mario, obviously Mario winning a world title, but uh, you know, both of them have been around Formula One. I, I feel that Michael was not mocked, but was never given a proper chance. And part of that was his own fault because he refused to to up sticks and move to Europe, which I think is essential uh, if, you, if you're going to go do Formula One uh, when he went to McLaren. But uh, it just didn't work out for him. And I think there's, it, it, well, he, he said it to us in, in interviews over the years, you know, he's unfinished business. He wants to do that. Before we leave um, IndyCar, I want to talk a little bit about Detroit and Belle Isle. It's a place I've been to. Uh, I like it as a circuit, but today was the last time we'll we'll be at Belle Isle. And I was saddened by that. And it seems somewhat ir- ironic that it was the fastest ever Belle Isle race. It was probably the cleanest in terms of there were no cautions. And the average speed was the fastest ever. And kind of cool that Will Power won it as well, who's a longtime Indy uh, champion and, uh, and stalwart. So uh, I think Roger Pe- and, of course, Penske therefore won it, which is... Uh, you know, a nice footnote for Roger Penske um, because he has had so much to do with Belle Isle even being on the calendar. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, some of the things that I've found out about the new layout that I really like is it's actually going to use a good portion of the Formula One track that was there back through the 80s. And and so I'm really, you know, it's cool because it's going to use Woodward Avenue. It's going to use a lot of that area around Woodward Avenue and some of the corporation campuses that are in that area. So I think that's really cool to have it on the doorstep there in Motor City. Yeah, 1.7 mile street circuit incorporating, as you mentioned, Jefferson Avenue and Atwater Street uh, along the Detroit Riverfront. Um, So, you know, I think you're right. And I think, you know, what I really like about this story is that, uh, again, Roger will have his footprint on it because now he owns Indy. Um, but he, forget IndyCar for a second, Roger Penske's had a lot to do with the restructuring and rebuilding of Detroit as a city. Uh, as you well know, if you went to Detroit 10 years ago, it was sort of a shell of its former self as the Motor City uh, because there were no jobs. So people left the inner city and it became pretty run down. Uh, but now it's coming back. Uh, I did the X, uh, not X Games, I did the Rallycross there, and I've obviously done IndyCar there. But I think taking it back to the streets of Detroit will be a real celebration. Um, and like you say, using part of the Formula One circuit, and it will really stamp everybody's uh, view that Detroit is a humming place again. Well, I remember it was one of the locations that Bernie Ecclestone talked about bringing F1 back to that he liked the idea of putting it right on, you know, General Motors and Ford and, and all of those manufacturers doorstep. And uh, I think that was more hot air, more Bernie's typical hot air than anything. I kind of lo- thought that was a cool idea. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that. And I love street races. And I think also from the crowd's point of view, uh, they're talking 100,000 potential. We saw 240 at Miami. So, you know, I think also Belle Isle was never set up to have that big a crowd because it's a small island. Um, so that was always going to kind of stop it from being heavily promoted stroke, you know, a chance of making a lot of money out of it. So now I think um, they'll have a chance to do that, which is which is you know, big news. And of course, Formula One's going that way. Look, here we are, Monaco, Baku, back to back, um, you know, street ra- straight at uh, Miami, obviously, and then out now Vegas. So street racing <laughs> is, is seeming to come into uh, vogue yet again. Now, I want a drum roll if my producer can give me one, because I can't believe that Mr. Kaiser wants to talk about NASCAR. Oh, gee. All righty. Well, I'll tell you what. Here is what is so cool. So we've got the new car coming out, the next-gen NASCAR coming out. But, uh, you know, like I said, it, there's a few things I don't like about it. Everybody's going to be basically in the same chassis, all of those kinds of things. There's a lot of stuff that's going on that is making it very close to a spec series. I'm disappointed in that. I've already said that. We're seeing more right turns in NASCAR on purpose, so I'm happy for that. But here we are. We're headed towards a spec series in my mind and kind of doing away with the creativity so much that the teams did and built with. I've already you know, lamented on the idea of let's put an OEM windshield in it and you got to work. 
run an OEM back glass and it's got to fit the profile of what you see at the dealership. But that's not going to happen. So what is so cool about this is they are testing the next-gen car using a uh, robotic device as well as remote control. And what this is doing is they ran laps on Talladega, I believe it was, and crashed the car into a wall at 130 miles per hour to do all this. Hey, we've got drivers that do that every week. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was part of the sport. But the coolest thing about this is all the technology that went into it, all the data feed that they're picking up on, everything of that nature. This is astounding. Remember, this is the same organization that lagged behind the Hans device. And had they implemented the Hans device a couple of years earlier, we might still see Dale Earnhardt walking around. So it's a stickler with me. But I'm very happy to see them taking this progress in technology to really evaluate this and not guess and not try to use computer. They really did wad up a car and uh, and check it out. And that's very important that, uh, you know, we want our drivers. We want all of them, no matter which track and series they're in, to, to walk away from any incidents. And so I was really proud to see that, really happy to see that uh, they use this type of technology. Why would you ups be upset to see it? become more of a spec series i mean it's not far off anyway i mean you've only got two engines the same chassis pretty much um you know they they kind of look you know i mean you know unless somebody told you it was a camry or told you it was a chevrolet well you know you're not really identifying it very hardly are you? yeah yeah i mean the body is essentially the same and that, that leads into our next topic we'll talk about but you know the bodies and the chassis are basically the same it's just whatever the labels they stick on them for the most part. And that's my frustration about it. You know, the, uh, going back to the history of NASCAR, these were factory, you know, dealership lot cars that got caged and got drums of fuel stuck in the trunk and things like that. And they kept on modifying it. And yes, they turned left and right on the back roads of, of the, uh, the bootleggers. So that's my thing is I love the history of all of my racing sports. And that's one where the NASCAR has disappointed me is they've gotten so far around away from being a dealership car that now it's actually an aftermarket spec car instead. I would love to see, like I said, the OEM windshield, the OEM back window, the general profiles that we used to see them spec in, you know, I'd love to see that, uh, Hey, whatever body or brand you are racing on the track, there has to be the same engine drive configuration available on the dealership floor. I still want my V8 Camry rear-wheel drive. Good point. I'd like to see another OEM. I'd like to see another en engine manufacturer enter the fray. I think it needs it, um, but, but it's hard to think who. Um, and, you know, it's a big undertaking. Um, the spec side of it doesn't bother me that much. I, I've always been more about the drivers than, than the cars in, in that respect. And I'm really enjoying, because I do Trans Am every week, um, I'm really enjoying watching our young guys getting junior contracts um, and using Trans Am, which is all road race, you know, is all uh, road courses, um, to get their, you know, to, to learn, to get, to get their nibs. And they're now being you know, Junior Harvick team or a Chevrolet Junior or Toyota Junior. We've got several teenagers now in Trans Am. And so I think Steve Phelps and his team at NASCAR are doing a really good job with their ladder of truck series onto Xfinity and then to Cup Series about bringing young talent through. And you've seen in the last couple of years, you know, Christopher Bell, Austin Sindrick, you know, these guys are coming through. And and they're good. Carl Larson. I mean, you know, okay, he's getting on. You know, he's, he's been around a bit now, but the, you know, the talent is there in NASCAR, and it, I think it's underrated by the. If you don't understand NASCAR, and you don't watch it all the time. I, I, I think it looks easier than it really is uh, to do because they're all going at the same speed, but that speed is two hundred miles an hour, um, and they are affected heavily by the drafts and the wind and so on and so forth. So I, I've learned. I've got a lot more respect for the drivers in NASCAR than I had when I was back in Europe, sort of watching it from afar. All righty. Well, I'll respectfully disagree with you. <laughs> Good on you, Les. And on that <laughs> bombshell, we'll take a short break and we'll be back with more Speed City after this.
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, Allstott Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I, I'm not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely no... Uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But Jonathan, you know why? What makes it so special? The water and the recipe? Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right. And they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this Allstad beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because, You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's got a great tie-in because obviously Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local HEBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in... Uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Ah, the indutable David Hobbs. Always in a smuzzle, 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 or something like that. But we loved him and we missed him. Good oh, to hear yeah. Lee Dickey today at Belle Isle, my, my good mate Lee. Um, doing a hell of a job with Townsend and the boys. Um, not a bad race, but not the most exciting. But we are shock horror gasp still talking about NASCAR, unless you've got another story. I do. Me. And so, you know, one of the things that has turned up and I've been, I've introduced folks to team members, to shops that are, you know, higher grade racing shops. And a lot of folks are enamored with the idea of working in the racing world. Well, here's your chance folks with none other than Stuart Haas. And here's, what's interesting about this. So, you know, there's been impacts of the pandemic. There's been impacts of just attrition, people getting done with the racing life. Jonathan, I know you travel the world way more than I do in, in any given month. And so it uh, it's really interesting because of the skills that are required. Uh, what's happening in NASCAR is the next-gen car that is in development. A big part of it is around cost savings. Thus, they're standardizing components. A lot of these things are practically going to be off-the-shelf parts. So that does away with a lot of the skills. Well, there's a lot of changes around that. Uh, they are actually, there is a huge opportunity that if you want into racing and you've got those skills around the mechanics, the technician, the data, the body work, things like that, there's this is a prime time for you to get into that. And Stuart Haas is one of the teams really pushing to get fresh blood, if you will, to get in and infuse the energy to bring those new skills into the series and uh, just shore up the vacancies that have happened, like I said, over the pandemic, over the racing changes, over people retiring from the racing world and what have you. So uh, now's the time. Get out there. Yep, uh, I think it's a good point. And I've been really interested, um, you know, you, you, we all kind of 
went to our own little 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 corners when COVID came. Um, but I was really interested to see how motor racing dealt with COVID. Uh, and as a sport, I thought they were brilliant. Uh, and led by NASCAR, I may add, um, who were the first to come back uh, and create bubbles uh, and create a situation where you could go racing without a crowd. Plus, they got rid of practice, which I thought was interesting because it made some of the racing even more exciting because you didn't have any time to, to get ready. So it really was you and your, your race engineer. And I, and I like that aspect to it. But all of that was 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 due to the pandemic. But what it taught us was we can go racing uh, for less time and we can go racing for less money. One of the problems in all forms of motorsport is the escalating costs. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the 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 budget cap in Formula One in a minute, because there's, there's kind of a hoo-ha brewing in that as well. But I think the pandemic overall has helped um, the, the industry of motorsport streamline itself a little bit and understand, you know, what's important. You know, people don't care about Friday practice. They don't, you know, do you need it? Do you don't need it? When do you need to show up? Could you could you save yourself and all your team, you know, hotel rooms and whatever if you only do practice and qualifying on the Saturday? And I think Formula One, um, you know, is has been listening to this too. We've had situations during the pandemic where things were scaled down. So I think these these are all positive aspects. I agree. I agree. You know, and I like this thing, like I said, I feel like motorsports broadly is growing in the U S I mean, look at all the activity in, in your neighborhood with the trans am series, uh, everything that's going on there. Look at the, uh, you know, the legends that are behind the wheel again or still. And so I really love that. They've got to have people to fix their cars and take care of their cars and do all those things. So as the racing, uh, following grows, so do the folks that have to support it. And so that's how these teams are, are keeping up by hiring the new folks and uh, bringing them in. So, hey, there's your opportunity. Really, uh, it is a fantastic environment to be in. Oh, yeah. Jonathan's got lost a lot of hair traveling all over the world for 20 some odd years now. But it, it's worth it, don't you think? Yep. No, I'm, heck, we've worked for a living, don't it? I mean, <laughs> you know, to get, paid, to get paid to talk to talk about racing cars is great. Love it. I uh, wouldn't give it up for the world. Um Quick shout out before we leave Indy to Linus Lundqvist, somebody who's been on the show and made a name for himself, the young Swede. Uh, we just had a Swede win the 500 in Marcus Ericsson. Good, good for him. Um, but Linus Lundqvist is the next in line. He won both races at Detroit. He now leads the Indy Lights Championship. Um, so I'm really looking to see if he can come all the way uh, and potentially get a, an Indy drive very soon. But the Swedes uh, are on mass. There's more coming. And we've got Danes, but um, Bjarni Pedersen is also up there in Indy Lights. Um, Matthew Brabham um, is also in the top five in Indy Lights. So some really good names uh, on the cusp of Indy. Uh, so keep an eye on Indy Lights. Also watch out for my own good buddy, Ernie Francis Jr., uh, who's gone from Trans Am to Indy Lights. Uh, he's not he's not pulled up to any trees yet, but he's, he's doing all right. And he's still a youngster. So keep watching the talent coming up. Definitely. Well, we're, and we're tracking uh, up and comers from uh, all the different racing series. So uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah, I noticed that Hunter McElray, the young New Zealander in Indy Lights, he's doing well. Ryan Sheerhan from Austin, Texas. Uh, Jake Benilla from um, San Antonio. So we'll keep you up to date with all these new names that may not be familiar with you for you right now. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were telling people about who Alexander Rossi uh, it was or is. Um, and no one really knew who he was uh, because he was racing in GP2 and he hadn't got to Formula One by that point. But, um, you know, the same is true of Carl Kirkwood. We hadn't really known much about him, but you you and I were following him in the junior occasion. So I think that's something that Speed City will, will keep you honest with. Now, moving right along, let's talk a little bit Formula One. We had Monaco last week. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Um, but obviously we've got another street circuit next weekend in Baku. Couldn't be more different, but uh, an interesting race, Azerbaijan. It only came on the calendar, what, 2017, um, but it established itself quickly. And not that dissimilar to Miami in terms of having a long straight, uh, but then you go through the old city and it's more like Monaco there. Um, are you looking forward to that one? 
Yeah, I am. Uh, and you're right. The diversity of that track is really good. It's swift. And it's one of those tracks, I'll say, isn't completely balanced because, you know, you have some cars that are better for the turns, some that are power cars for the straightaways. And so uh, I think it's still going to continue. I'm still going to put my money on Charles and Max uh, out there and possibly Sergio mixing it up. Uh, I'm really, really happy to see the inner team battle between Max and Sergio. Now, well, you, that, that perfect segue because there's been stories in the press this week saying going into Baku, um, Sergio Perez will have equal parity with Max Verstappen. Do you believe that? Time will tell. And that's what I want to happen. It's too early in the season to be pulling team rank. And, you know, we've seen Sergio deliver extremely well, even when he was in a car that wasn't as competitive. He still did really, really well. And I want to see that keep on going. He deserves it. He's put his time in. Quit treating him as second rate. If he's up there going head to head with Max, let them do it as long as they don't take each other out. We want the racing as fans and, you know, career-wise, he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, a few weeks ago in Spain, we were lamenting the fact that he was kind of given team orders and then comes Monaco and he puts on an amazing performance and maybe having uh, Carlos Sainz uh, just in, in between them might have helped his cause. But uh, Perez has, I mean, he certainly came in to back up uh, Yoss, uh, uh, I always call him Yoss, his dad's Yoss, uh, to, to back up Max. Um, you know, you can't, anybody would would, would, would agree with that. Uh, and remember, he didn't have a Formula One ride at the time. So, you know, he was thankful of the opportunity with Alban gone to, they, they needed a good pair of hands to, uh, they said it themselves to Christian Horner. They wanted somebody who could help take the fight to Ferrari and Mercedes. Um, and for that, you need two drivers. Um, that gives you an opportunity and strategy, and they weren't finding that with Alban and the others that that tried, if you will. Um, and so with Perez, I think they've got more than they bargained for because he clearly is um, capable of challenging Verstappen. And I think the last few races, he's pushed himself into a position. He's got his new contract now. He's pushed himself into a position whereby they have to let him race because he might be the more uh, obvious choice as a world championship contender um, against Max, possibly. You know, away from the track, I'm going to say I love what we see here. You know, we're based in Texas here near the Circuit of the Americas. I love the following in the fan base that I see for Sergio. And uh, just ran in, uh, saw a lady wearing a Red Bull cap this past week at the uh, – store and i mentioned nice cap and i said who do you cheer for and she was like sergio i was like fantastic i mean i love it uh she appeared to be mexican-american or maybe from mexico and i love that this passion is out in everyday life at the grocery store and there's the lady wearing her cap showing her colors ran into another guy wearing a red bull jacket and it's nearly 100 degrees in Texas, folks, and this guy had his Red Bull jacket on, so there's dedication. But he was a Max fan, and uh, I just thought it was interesting. Out of two trips to the grocery store, there there was that, and just seeing more and more of the F1 fan base uh, showing, getting out and showing colors like we've seen for you know so many sports around Texas. Yeah. So I really like this. Yeah. Yeah, having been in Austin now, what, 12 years, it reminded me of the surge of soccer interest here in Austin um, that has obviously grown exponentially now, and we have the, our own MLS team. And I do think that the, the Mexican fans especially, they love soccer too, and they wear the shirt or the scarf or whatever of their soccer team. And, and I think they take to this, to Formula One, the same way. So just as the Dutch fans you know, go en masse um, and they're a soccer-crazy a uh, bunch of people too. I, I do think that the Mexicans, if Perez keeps performing like this, when we get to Cota uh, in October and we get to Mexico straight after, um, and then possibly obviously next year going to Vegas as well, I, I really do think Perez's stock is going to rise even further. And you're absolutely right. Um, they love him. Absolutely love him. You know, one of the things that I've seen speaking of the race this year here at Cota, uh, 
tickets are hard to come by and I am seeing aftermarket sales nearly doubling already and we're a long ways from it. And so if you don't have any yet, you know, you, you better start looking, but also stick with speed city. Uh, we usually give sets away closer to the race day. So, uh, yeah, just beware. But I think that says a whole lot, how early this has been sold out. You know, they've got some day passes still available last I looked, but, uh, oh my gosh, it's done. We saw Miami sell out in a couple of hours of 240 K. Uh, I had somebody ask me this week, when will tickets for Vegas go? I was like, wait a minute. We don't even have a firm date set for Vegas yet. So uh, that'll be uh, set, you know, now truth be told that probably will not be set at least for another couple of months. Uh, they'll negotiate the calendars, figure out what's right. They've, you know, one of the things in this new regionalized racing plan and discussion that they're talking about for the F1 calendar is to cut down on logistics and travel for the teams and the support crew back and forth across zones. You know, used to be from Monaco to Montreal and then back across the pond, and then they come back over for Austin and Mexico and finish up. So remember, they're addressing that. So uh, we're liable to see just uh, apple pie turnover on this. No, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, just on that subject, uh, don't forget, go to the circuit.com, Circuit of the Americas, to look for tickets, uh, to see when uh, you can get, where you can get. Um, and don't forget also, Coldplay and Green Day on the same weekend. If you buy a ticket, you've got concert tickets too. Don't get any better than that. I will be front row and center for both those. We're going to take a short break. We've got one more um, bit of action I want to talk about, obviously, after the break, and that is going to be MotoGP. Stay with us here on Speed City. When you leave the Circuit of the Americas today, you need to go check out our friends at Iron Wolf Ranch and Distillery, just 40 minutes west of Weird in the beautiful Spicewood, Texas. They produce a wide variety of unique, award-winning spirits, including bourbon, whiskeys, gin, vodka, and rums. They're kid and dog-friendly with yard games and Crego's Pizza and Wings on site every weekend. Enjoy a full bar, tasting room, bottle purchases, and live music when you visit the ranch. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram, and always ask for Iron Wolf at your favorite bars and liquor stores across Texas. Iron Wolf Ranch and Distillery. Bold Spirits, Texas Attitude. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. I love that segue. Karen Chandok, who started his world as a motorcycle fan. I first met him when he was 10 years of age in Madras in India. And now look what's become of him. Formula One and now one of the top pundits in Formula One. So good on you, Karun. And uh, yeah, but he started off as a motorcycle fan. I remember he had a Kevin Schwantz uh, uh, shirt on when I met him in Madras, India. And I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. I wondered if Kevin would have any idea that he had friends, that he had fans in India, let alone around the world. But I'm sure he does. But uh, welcome back. I don't know why I said Coldplay were coming to Coda. I just made me wishful thinking. But, um, there you yeah, go. You. It's Ed Sheeran, who is who that's is right. the sponsor of my soccer team, Ipswich Town. Not that that's really anything to talk home about. But anyway, um, Ed Sheeran and Green Day will there be you go. at Coda. Gotcha. There you go. Yeah, and, you know, Coda has travel packages. Be sure and go to the Circuit of the Americas website, and uh, they've got the all-inclusive uh, giant travel packages in your hotel. They've got a few of those that uh, are available, but uh, those two are selling well, so don't miss out on it. Make sure and get your RV spots lined up if uh, you're doing the RV thing because, uh, like I said, everything is just going nuts with sales around Formula One this year. 
Absolutely. Well, let's turn our attention now to MotoGP. They were in action today. And also, um, I think we've got a heck of a championship on our hands, actually. I know they've been to Austin already, but um, we saw the beginnings of the season. And I think the news, both sad and interesting, with Marquez choosing to basically get himself sorted. And it just shows you um, how painful uh, that injury must have been for him to give up on a factory Honda seat in the middle of the season to say enough is enough. He hasn't even said when he's coming back, but that has done another thing um, with him not being a hundred percent. It's a massively open motorcycle world championship this year, led by Fab- Fabio Quadraro uh, on the monster Yamaha. Um, and he helped his cause again today. Um, but don't you agree? It's a crazy season. And you could go all the way down to one mere uh, in ninth position. Marquez is 10th. Um, but he's not in the running anymore. And then you've got Vinales, Paulus Farago, this, this, uh, Marco Basecki. I mean, all these guys are all capable of, of winning. I think it's indicative of what it takes physically to race in this series. I mean, you know, taking laps on back of bikes at Coda is is one thing. And we think we're fast and having a lot of fun. And you and I've gone over to Colin Edwards boot camp a couple of times and beat up on each other there. And we think we're fast until somebody like Colin comes. Yeah. Until Colin goes blowing past you sideways, turning around laughing at you. And so, uh, you know, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Still good. And so, uh, it's all so much talent that's there skill beyond what even, you know, our best, track day motorcycle guys are up to the pain and the difficulty in dealing with just walking around like that. And then to go through those G forces on the track during a race, it's astounding. So I can only imagine, you know, after I folded a collarbone this year, how much that hurt just to walk around on the ground to go through what Marquez did with all of his plethora of injuries and and complications to try to do something with that much G-force, uh, I can't imagine it, and I don't blame him a bit for stepping out. No, I, I think it's the right decision. He's young enough to come back. It just shows you how much he's achieved because any other rider, let's say it was a Cal Crutchlow or whatever, you'd say that was career-ending. You can't leave a factory team and, and expect to come back. But he's that good and that established that um, – he, he, I would have thought uh, HRC will probably keep his ride open for him. Uh, I'm sure that there's a, a gentleman's agreement. But my worry is, and I remember back in the day, Dewan, uh, when he broke his leg at Assen, um, just how, you know, once you start having lots of operations and you're away from the sport, do you ever get that back? I, I feel, I'd like to get your take on this. I feel that with Marquez being such an exceptional rider, there is a possibility of him finding his way back to his former glory. I expect him to be back. Would I call it former glory? I don't know, but you're right. The The accumulation of injuries on riders, uh, even with today's technology of suits, just builds up on you. You know, uh, this year, you and I are sitting with Kevin Schwantz, and he made some comment about his wrist, and I looked down at his wrist and his hands, and you can oh, see yeah. all of the things that he's been through with, with the best equipment in the world Schwantz is, was riding and racing back in those days. And, you know, his his hands are just not what they were born as. And so it's just something else, what these riders are going through. Certainly, you know, Marquez is another world, you know, I'd love to see him against, against Kevin in his prime, but nonetheless, these injuries will accumulate whether Marquez will ever get to that, you know, sliding on his elbow and shoulder again. And, popping back up for the next curve. I don't know. He did do it once this year and everybody roared over that and said, he's back. Well, you know, he, he didn't fare too well after that. And so, you know, I'm not sure he'll make it back to that. He will absolutely be respectable when he gets back on two wheels. Yeah. I think when he came back that week after that first initial Jerez crash, I thought it was too early myself. Um, but uh, staying with MotoGP, big crash today. Uh, what did you make of it? Uh, I made more friends than Nakagami did. Uh, <laughs> Nakagami is, uh, so if you didn't see the race today, he was riding like he was going for the whole shot from the last guy on the grid. But he, he probably passed 
eight or 10 riders, totally missed his breaking point going into T1, took out Bagnaya and Renz going through that. All three of them went skipping off into the beach and were toast. You know, for it to happen once, that's fine. This is the second time that we've had this issue, or I'll say they've had the issue with Nakagami. He also had issues, and he took out, I forget who it was he took out last month uh, in Magello. It was He took Renz out in Magello. See my notes here. And so he did that. There's no loss. No love lost between Renz and Nakagami right now. And so uh, there's starting to be rumors. In fact, Renz called him out in a post-race interview of, I don't think he belongs here, and he's holding FIM responsible for letting him be here. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I've always thought Nakagami's a, a good rider, but he does tend to make mistakes that aren't ordinary. In other words, when he makes a mistake, um, they tend to be, you know, they tend to be big ones. Um, and yeah, he's not having a good season. He's 16th in the championship at the moment. Um, you know, it's not been a good year. Uh, I love it when we do have successful Japanese riders like Haga and, you know, like um, the Okadas and so on and so forth, because obviously, uh, with so many great motorcycles coming out of Japan, you really want them to be represented. Um, um, but you have to wonder uh, whether, I don't say I agree with what the others are saying, but um, it, it's definitely worth talking about. And, you know, you've got to be safe. You've got to feel safe with the riders you're up against uh, each and every week. So I don't know, maybe he'll, he'll regroup. But um, generally well, speaking, would you agree with me on the point of, you know, uh, it being very open and also manufacturer-wise very open? You've got KTM in there. You've got uh, Aprilia in there. You've got Ducati having a real climb uh, to, to form now. Um, oh, yeah. And Yamaha obviously leading the way. Absolutely. You know, uh, again, this season has been a mix-up of the brands running for the front. You've got Martin on a Ducati now. He wrapped up second. Uh, Fabio took first. Uh, it's a great mix of brands and riders that are there. So that's what's keeping MotoGP exciting for me is it wasn't the runaway uh, of Marquez that we saw for years. It wasn't Ducati as, you know, the flying beast as they were for a while. And so this is a good mix-up. Uh, to me, honestly, it kind of parallels F1 in that uh, any one of three teams is going to win at this point. So I'm very pleased with that. We had uh, There was one issue, I got to tell you. A leash. You know, uh, what a broken-hearted wrap-up to the race. In the last lap, a leash is looking great coming through sits up on his bike and starts waving to everybody as if he already finished the race. Ah! Frankie Keeley did that once. Yep. Took uh, him, it's easy to do. Took him from the podium to, to way back, and then he realized what he did. The team welcomed him back into the garage, <laughs> clapped, gave him hugs, all this stuff. Oh, I'm surprised he didn't just turn and exit the paddock on the bike. <laughs> head back to the hotel it was well, listen, uh, heartbreaking yeah heartbreaking indeed listen we're running out of time as always les great to talk to you tonight as always Hope, thank you for tuning in don't forget we'll be back with baku formula one 5 a.m austin i don't know who the hell is going to get me out of bed to do that but uh, that of course is on national radio so join us for the pre and post uh, and obviously we'll be back sunday night as well uh, also quick shout out joe roberts six in the moto two championship come on guys we've got a great world contender already won a race and got a second place so far this season he's six overall watch out for joe roberts thanks for tuning in tonight thanks les kaiser we'll be back next week and don't forget baku is coming your way ciao y'all This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.